Happy Monday, listeners. Welcome to episode nine of the Sneak Preview. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Austin Johnson. And this is our newest podcast where we follow the current movie release calendar. Today, we were able to get to do uh, three out of four of this week's biggest releases, which means we'll be discussing Minari, Tom and Jerry, and the United States versus Billy Holiday. We were not able to get to The Father, as it is a theater release, and it was not playing anywhere near us. When we, when we can't access it, we will discuss it on the show. Before we get started, I'd like to introduce a special guest host for today's show, Brianna Moore. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, longtime listeners may recognize Brianna as Austin's girlfriend. She's here to help us unravel some movies. Oh yeah, gonna be gonna be a lot of fun. We both got to watch uh, <clears throat> one and a half of these movies together. So <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Very nice. Uh, before we get into that, let's take a look at what happened last week in film. Last week in film. So first up, trailer talk got three trailers to discuss uh first up the vault starring freddie highmore and liam cunningham has a tentative march 26th release date uh i only stumbled onto this movie because it's what i do uh i i don't know what it i don't know what i really have to say about this i'm heist <laughs> movies are kind of all the same these days uh if you want to see the good doctor rob a bank with davos this is the movie <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect yeah british production looks fairly by the numbers the trailer kind of revealed the entire movie it's one of those <laughs> yeah yeah definitely a pass yeah <laughs> um next up speaking of heist movies seems to be in the air these days Zack snyder's army of the dead releasing on netflix may 21st this is getting a lot of news for some reason and uh I, I want to like it, but the trailer made it look like friggin' Suicide Squad. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I've stayed away from this trailer so far because yeah, I've heard some noise about it. That's disappointing. <laughs> it just looks like I don't know what I I've, I've kind of exhausted all the shit I can say about Zack Snyder at this point. It's yeah, I'm just repeating myself now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't. No one can blame you. Yeah. Um, Brianna, have you seen anything of Zack Snyder's? You, you like any of his movies? His name is jogging a memory, but I can't put a pic, like a face to it for some reason. He looks what? like every like mid 2000s <laughs> high school football quarterback who <laughs> like didn't get his way at prom and is like punching a wall because of it. Yeah. Oh, He's the guy behind uh, some Superman stuff, some DC stuff. Yeah, Man of Steel, okay. Batman v Superman. Watchmen was good, but I don't think it's because of him. Uh, <laughs> there's, yeah, so he's that guy. Now he's doing zombie movies. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. it's a zombie movie? It's a zombie heist movie set in Vegas. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot, yeah. Too much, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's... I feel like that's been done a lot. Like someone's trying to always like twist yeah. different like common plots. It's a heist movie. 
in Vegas <laughs> with zombies. <laughs> with zombies. <laughs> it seems like something you would see like on a TV show, like when they're like playing like a really intense action trailer in the background. Like that's what the description sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah, like like on like on Rick and Morty, whenever yeah. you know uh Ricksty Minutes. Exactly. Have, that's perfect. You get, yeah, you got ball fondlers and then you have this. Yeah. <laughs> Two brothers <laughs> in Vegas, <with> zombies. They're <laughs> oh robbing. You know, it's exactly that. <laughs> yes. Oh, now yes. I have to see it. <laughs> yeah, just for jokes at this point for me, yeah. I would. Oh God. Uh, so now a movie that I think actually looks pretty good. Uh, Pixar's <laughs> new film Luca, coming out on June 18th. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, Pixar just they don't fail really. I mean, their batting average is insane, and uh, this looks great. You know, it's Italian sea monsters. It's what if sea monsters had feelings? (laughs) (laughs) I have a cousin named Luca, so I'm excited to hear what he has to say about this. Gonna be cool. Yeah, that that's always fun when you have something uh, that has your exact name to relate to. Yeah, and he's the Pixar age. So that's perfect. Yeah, oh, so 20, oh, so 26? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not our Pixar age. He's the appropriate Pixar age. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I don't know. I don't know. With Soul and Onward, those are, those are two pretty deep movies. That's true. Yeah, Pixar age <laughs> went up this, this past year. <laughs> that's, well, that's the best thing about him is that they, 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 you know, attack all age groups, you know, that it's, Stuff that's relatable to everybody. Yeah, and I like that they have, you know, a very wide rainbow of representation. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, they're Uh, trying. Yeah, Yeah. they're really trying now. We're going to Italy this time. So this will be, looks cute. I I don't really have reservations with Pixar. I'm pretty much like, yeah, I'll be there. (laughs) Yeah, same. Especially if it's on Disney Plus, a thing we already pay for, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Next up. Angel Manuel Soto is directing a Blue Beetle movie for DC and Warner Brothers. This will be DC's first Latino superhero film, provided it does actually happen. Remember Joss Whedon's Batgirl movie? How about Cyborg? Justice League Mortal? Hawkman? Any of these? (laughs) None of those happen. So DC is very good at planning movies. Making movies, not not just... Well, yeah, there's so many great ideas, so many great characters, but we have yet to see very good execution. They can do so much, but it's like they're just halfway there, especially when you're like competing with like Marvel Studios. My God, I was not not there. After Avengers Endgame came out, like I'm surprised there wasn't a mass suicide at the DC head office. (laughs) There's no, it's not a battle anymore. The war has been won at this point. It's just embarrassing. Yeah, there's no coming back at that. No, and I mean anybody can come up with a good idea. I mean, if we're you know, if ideas made money, we'd all be billionaires. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just I would like to see this actually happen because. Blue Beetle's a fairly interesting character. It's, you know, a Hispanic kid finds this, like, ancient scarab that makes him, like, a demigod. So it's basically Shazam with, with a beetle and a Latino kid. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I that's, realized that's it as... That's kind of dope. That's, that's kind of dope. I mean, hey. Yeah. 
I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. You know, I feel like DC's announcing a new movie like every other week and they're not actually doing anything with these ideas. Ugh. Speaking of DC, J.J. Ab- Abrams and uh, Tanahasi Coates are developing a Superman reboot with plans for Superman to be portrayed by a black actor during the black Superman arc. And uh, this could be really cool. But again, DC, ideas, just throwing them out there. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, hey, guys, let's, let, let's be the ones who, who do cast a black person. And, and, and that's really cool and all, and your intentions are fine. But like, again, you still have to make a good movie. Yeah. yeah. And what is there any controversy behind that? Because I know anytime someone tries to like switch the race of like a really like household name character, there's some outrage somewhere. There's there's the usual racial rabble rousers who freak out when suddenly a fictional character is a different race. I, but beyond that, um, mostly the Henry Cavill fans are upset that they're not going to get to see Cavill come back to the role. Yeah, but, but that's understandable. Yeah, he quit like two years ago, and <laughs> I mean, the, the, we're, the Snyder Cut's going to be like his his swan song now. But mm-hmm. I mean, he said for a while that he's done, <laughs> so I don't know why this is news to people. Yeah, yeah, They're just holding out hope, probably. Yeah, a name that's been tossed around. I know Michael B. Jordan had tried to do this movie a few years ago and DC shot him down. So he, they might be bringing him back into this. Which would be interesting. I don't know if he want to go back after Panther, right? Well, isn't there like possible talks of them trying to do... I feel like I heard something about a Killmonger something. Yeah. They're trying... Fans think Killmonger should come back from the dead and be the new king of, Bla- of Wakanda, which... I mean, did they see the first movie? That's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I, people really liked process. his character, so I can see them wanting him back. But I feel like it would kind of devalue the first movie if they just brought him back. It would definitely take away from it. it defeat the whole, basically the one of the main plots of the movie. I don't, I don't want him to come back, but I did enjoy his character. He was cool. I think it was a little bit more nuanced. He could be a really cool kind of anti-hero. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it all depends on who gives him the juicier contract. (laughs) 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 Well, Marvel's good with, you know, they take care of their actors. They, you know, they develop good stories to give people good roles. They are penny pinchers. They do not like to pay. (laughs) So, yeah. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Like Robert Downey Jr. was making like 50 million a movie. But like for the first Captain America, Chris Evans made like eight hundred thousand dollars. Like oh, some wow. crazy low mo- amount of money. Terrence Howard tried to ask for a raise, and they kicked his ass out and hired Don Cheadle. So that explains that. I never looked yeah. into that, but I was like, huh? Yep. He said like I. Well, he didn't do it in the smartest way. He went to Marvel and said like I carried the first movie. I deserve this. And they're oh. like, Ugh. yeah, battle battle of the egos is is tough, you know. Yeah. So. I don't know, but because Black Panther was such a hit and because Killmonger was such a, a fan favorite, you know, Marvel might be willing to open the change purse a little. Yeah, we'll see. I could see that. I just want, I just want Nakia to just like take over Wakanda. That would be my preference. No, it should be Shuri. I think it should be Shuri too. I, either, either one. Yeah, Shuri is next in line. 
Sure, but Nokia, I feel like, is more uh, 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 has the more capabilities to to lead. Sure, sure, he's a great uh, behind the scenes person. You know, I can see that. Well, maybe they'll roll together. Maybe that'll be. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool, right? They could, you know, they could, yeah, yeah, just do, be like a duo. Yeah. I don't know. I've really like that's the movie I really am most curious about how they're going to handle it. Black Panther two. Yeah, I've been uh, thinking about that a lot. Yeah, because I know they came out and said they're not going to recast Chadwick. They're going to go forward with the movie. So, I mean, that does not give them a lot of options, but it also <laughs> enables a lot of creativity if they do this right. Yep, exactly. It's a cool opportunity, I think. Yeah, I think a great way to kind of celebrate his brief but very powerful legacy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right on. Um, speaking of Marvel... Marvel's new Spider-Man movie has an official title. (laughs) Spider-Man No Way Home. It's set for release on December 17th this year, but there is not a chance in hell that's going to (laughs) happen. No. I mean, have they even started filming this yet? No. No. No, and and what's, yeah, come on. That's going to be here before we know it. You know what's weird? I keep hearing that WandaVision is supposed to lead into Doctor Strange 2 which is then supposed to lead into Spider-Man, but Spider-Man's scheduled to come out first. So I, I don't know what's going huh. on there. Not sure. I'm lost. I'm lost when it comes to, to what's happening in the MCU. I am constantly paying attention to that. <laughs> Hopefully it's something clever up their sleeve. I'm sure they do. Hoping. Yeah. They still got to figure out a way to fit Black Widow into all this. That's just kind of been looming over oh, yeah. everything. How did I forget about that? I'm just ready for Chloe Zhao's Eternals. That's what I. That's what I'm ready for. That's another thing that's just kind of been put on the back burner. Like we keep getting minor updates, but nothing really concrete's happening with Eternals. I know, it sucks. COVID's kind of thrown the whole MCU into you know out of balance. All we've got is the uh, two now. I'm 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 ready to see Mahershala Ali and Blade. Like, come on, I'm ready for that. Yeah. We're going to be waiting for that one for a long time. <laughs> I know. It sucks, dude. Well, Batman, we've talked, we were just talking about DC. I can't wait to see Robert Pattinson. So, yeah, it sucks, man. Yeah, it does. It really does suck. But I'm sure we'll get all of this eventually. Nothing's been canceled, it's just been pushed. That's, yeah, that's yeah. How I get yeah. through this. <laughs> Postponed and, and some stuff. Obviously, we're, we're, we're living in it right now. And we're going to talk about movies that, they're forced to find a home. Some of them, you know, and obviously giant superhero movies want to get the theater play to make all the money, but some of them might have to, to maneuver and make, you know, adapt. Who knows, man? It's uh, the landscape is crazy right now. Yeah. The first real blockbuster we're going to get to do is going to be Godzilla versus Kong, which will be a nice change of pace. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That is definitely a huge kind of blockbuster movie. Yeah. As much as I love, you know, thought-provoking dramas, this this show has really turned into a goddamn downer. <laughs> yeah, no the, kidding. The films we've done since the start of this show have been very heavy and very emotional. So I'm looking forward to Godzilla, you know, fighting King Kong in like Neo Tokyo, whatever the hell that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Um David Fincher is in uh, he's developing an assassin thriller for Netflix called The Killer. 
with Michael Fassbender and talks to star, which confirms once and for all for me that we are never getting mine hunter season three, but sad, sad day. I mean, a David Fincher serial killer movie with Michael Fassbender. I'll take it. Yeah. Here's my thing about David Fincher is that I'll take two movies of his over a season of mine hunter like any day of the week that's just that's just how i am as a as a fincher fan i'll i'll, I'll take more movies of his a, any day torn <laughs> i really like mine hunter yeah, it's a great show but I, I i love his movies and i want him to keep adding to his filmography huh. uh brianna where do you stand on this <laughs> I do not know how I feel about David Fincher, mm-hmm. but I know that Austin loves his movie, so I'm willing to give one a try and see if it changes my mind. Hmm. That is going to be an interesting night that I need to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm seen, trying to be more seen, open-minded. You've seen more than you've seen more than than you uh, you probably realize. Um, <laughs> Zodiac, you you've seen that one probably. Uh, yeah. Social Network, uh, Fight Club, Seven, Gone Girl. Yeah, those are I've all. I've seen his, all so. those that you've named, but Seven yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you've you've sat through a lot of movies with me, and he's a guy I you know am am really into and rewatch his movies a lot. So and Mank, he just had Mank come out. So yeah, you've seen quite a few of them. Yeah, I have to rewatch Mank. I didn't give it a fair shot. Fair enough. That's fair. I, it's definitely a, an acquired taste, I think, at first. Yeah. Well, the cool thing Mindhunter did is it gave David Fincher this relationship with Netflix that's going to pay off in dividends. So. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Brianna, that's like that Mindhunter kind of tackles exactly what you love about like uh, about TV shows. Like it's basically just true crime to the, you know, to the nitty gritty and with David Fincher's touch. So it's kind of cool. It's the true story of the FBI behavioral science unit and how they formed to interview and catch serial killers. Oh, I think, okay. I've heard about this. Yeah. That's definitely up my alley. Yeah. My uncle just started watching it. So it's been fresh in my head and um, he's obsessed. And like the fact that they like, filmed the serial killer interviews word for word from the actual recordings. That's so twisted, but yeah. really fascinating. So actually, um, our, the first time I ever watched mine Hunter was like right around when I met both of you guys, it would have been sometime a little bit after meeting Brianna. And then right before meeting you, Connor would have been when I first watched that sometime, you know, in the fall, late fall of 2017. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a dark, dark show, but it is it's a trip. Yeah. Very well written, very well filmed and very well acted. I recommend it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Moving on. Jeepers Creepers Reborn is happening and is getting a fall 2021 release date. And this one's not by the pedophile. So there's something. Um, (laughs) I should probably (laughs) explain that. (laughs) yeah out of context what the so the first three jeepers creepers were written and directed by a guy who went to prison for with a child so a legit yeah yeah. he got out made these movies is still out 
Um, I have not seen Jeepers Creepers three. I, I do like the first two; they're interesting movies. So Jeepers I, I have, Creepers. <laughs> I have a very i I have a rough relationship with those movies because obviously I don't want to support the work of a, of a monster, but they're also very creative films. So I don't. I'm torn with those. Those would be great film gasm movies, just so I can uh, kind of like unload all that shit. Yeah, no, for sure. And I know exactly what you mean. And it's something that you like connected with when you were younger. So and you yeah. kind of carry you kind of carry it with you. You know, you had no idea. <laughs> no, I watched Jeepers Creepers <laughs> one and two and then later found out, oh shit. So <laughs> yeah, it's rough. You know, it's like after you watch Chinatown, you find out about Roman Polanski, you're like, fuck, but I like Chinatown. Yeah, same. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Ah. <sighs> It yeah. happens with happens with fucking tons of musical artists now too. It sucks. Yeah, it's like a domino effect at this point. It's rough. Did you guys watch that uh, that Woody Allen thing on HBO? No. No, I saw it promoted though. What did you watch it? Do you know what it's I, about? I do know what it's about. I haven't watched it yet, but I've I've heard like it is the most damning shit. Like it really like shows the the dark, horrible stuff we've been hearing about Woody Allen for years really kind of paints it. It's the, the equivalent. Of, it's the equivalent of that Michael Jackson documentary, like for Woody Allen. So it's like Woody yeah. Allen's adopted. Like Mia Farrow's daughter talks about how Woody Allen made like made advances on her when she was a kid. Oh yikes! Yeah, yeah fuck yeah. So, on the plus side, people are finally saying Woody Allen might be too toxic to get hired by a studio again. So it took like half a century, but we might have finally gotten rid of Woody Allen. Yeah, un- un- unfortunately, like, you know, he was able to operate for so long and has like already had his career, you know, and. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird because he's a guy you kind of, there's plenty of people who have fallen in love with his work, you know, and like for, for me, Purple Rose of Cairo is a movie uh, we watched recently, you know, for Oscar Sunday. And I was like, kind of, kind of fucking dig this movie. And, you know, you just, you have to confront that stuff, you know, and definitely the guy just should not work anymore. So many of his films are about like older, weird, neurotic men getting into relationships with younger, like beautiful women. And the dude married his stepdaughter. I mean, beyond that, like, do you need any more information? I mean, that's (laughs) right. Right. Yeah. You don't need anything else on paper. That's for sure. Jesus. God. Oh yeah. Woody Allen is a guy because of Oscar Sunday, we're not really going to be able to escape. (laughs) So he's going to come up a lot. Yeah, no, I'm ready to do an episode on him and just kind of tear him up. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> we tore up Polanski. Let's let's tear Woody Allen apart next. Yeah, yeah. And maybe the movie that we pick, we won't even like. <laughs> maybe because Woody Allen's been hit or miss for me personally. Yeah, he's got a formula, and he's been doing it for fifty years. Yeah, and sometimes it's fine. Sometimes I'm like, come on, this is stupid, boring. You know. <clears throat> it, yeah, hit or miss. Uh, speaking of hit or miss. Mila Jovovich and Dave Bautista are starring in a new fantasy epic called In the Lost Lands, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and based on a story by George R.R. Martin. So another 
steaming pile of fantasy epic from Paul W.S. Anderson. That's that's what I got from that. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> he's, so, he's such a bad filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, it sucks that his name is so close to the Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> yeah. You imagine if there was like, you know, some up and coming like shitty sci-fi director named like Quentin Tarantino. I mean, legally, he can't do anything about that. <laughs> Mike Lee. Yeah, that's what it feels like. David oh, Finker. Man. Like, yeah. just ridiculous. Although, if I was, you know, an up-and-coming director and really bad at it, that's exactly what I would do, is take, you know, almost take a great director's name. <laughs> <laughs> Bong Joon Fo. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Speaking of him, I just watched a video that convinced me that Snowpiercer is a sequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out for sure. How long is the video? I've definitely heard about it. It's like 17 minutes, but it is perfect. Wildly convincing. <laughs> it's crazy. Ed Harris is Charlie Bucket grown up and crazy. So it goes from there. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. <laughs> It sounds off the wall, but and I, I went in thinking this is horseshit, and I left going like, I need to watch both these movies and compare and contrast because this is too real. <laughs> I'm a believer That's now. 42 years of cinema being married between <laughs> Snowpiercer and Willy Wonka. Yes. Oh, man. Um, next up, and this was exciting, but I've heard this before. I don't know if this is true or now. Neil Blomkamp announced he's finally started writing District 10. Hey. Mm, it's only been 2009. 2009? Yeah. 12, 12 years? years? Yeah. yeah. I'm an English major. I can't math. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, that was up. That was up against uh, Glorious Bastards and a Serious Man and Hurt Locker. Interesting year. Yeah. One of the few sci-fi movies up for Best Picture. That hasn't happened very much. Yeah. But... And a real, like, it, it's lasted. District 9 is a really good movie. Uh, Chappie and Elysium, not so much. The South Yikes. African trilogy is not perfect. Yikes. Uh, and then he just kind of disappeared. <laughs> like, he didn't do anything else. So, maybe this is a comeback. Chappie. Oh, boy. You, I'm you, very you. unfamiliar with this. Chappie um, is... Yeah, um, Yikes. <laughs> Chappie was a movie made in 2015 about a like it took place in the future where there's like mass produced robots in uh, South Africa. And um, one of the robots gets like implemented with an art, like an experimental AI and then stolen by these two like wannabe rapper assholes who teach the robot to be cool. (laughs) And it's so bad. The robots like learning about, you know, identity and humanity and also, these two assholes are teaching it how to rap and rob cars. Yeah. So, what what genre is this movie supposed to be? It's supposed to be a action thriller. It's an accidental comedy. Yeah, Hugh, Hugh Jackman's like completely lost his mind in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Wait, Hugh Jackman's in it? This sounds bizarre. Yeah. Hugh he's just, he's wearing like cargo shorts and and you know like a polo the whole time. Has like a little mullet. It's awesome. <laughs> Forgot about the mullet. 
Ooh. I kind of want to see it just for the mullet now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, these these two weird rappers find the robot, and they're played by an actual. Do you know Die Antwoord? I I I, I know because of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's what everybody says because that's the these guys. Their fan base is so fucking weird. Yeah. They're <laughs> a rap duo from South Africa, uh, Ninja and. Yolandi, why do I know that off the top of my head? And <laughs> they're like just such douchebags, like the worst people. And they're just like, you know, Chappy, you do it like this. And it's so stupid. It's so bad. The <laughs> shit movie. Yeah. And they were apparently like super divas demanding the craziest shit on set. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and they have not worked since. And I think they broke up. So. Perfect. Yeah, Neil Blomp Neil Pam's coming back to Hollywood. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen Chappie in like seven years. Maybe maybe I should. No, no. no. Keep it that way. <laughs> 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 just keep the years adding up. Uh, uh, no, with an IE. What is this about? You've definitely seen the poster. Yeah. <laughs> oh my, that's what it is. Yes. Yeah. That's it right there. The trailer was so misleading. It's yeah. (laughs) I remember the trailer, and this is not 32% of Rotten Tomatoes. That's about right. Yeah. The even crazier thing, the first half of this movie is a documentary. (laughs) What? It's a documentary about this like robot factory in South Africa where they're like, Yeah, we're doing new things with with robotics. And Dev Patel's like, I can make them think. And Hugh Jackman's like, You're crazy. And then these two guys are like, (laughs) We're stealing robots. And Two hours? And we're back on Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So, maybe, you know, the more I'm talking about it, the more I realize maybe there's a reason Neil Blomkamp hasn't done anything since 2015. <laughs> yeah, yeah, six years. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rawson Marshall Thurber. You may know him as the director of Dodgeball and the guy with like most like 1890s Texas Ranger name I've ever heard. Uh, he's directing an adaptation of the video game, the division with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain set to star. Y'all ever oh, played yeah. the division? No, but I've seen my buddy play it quite a bit. Uh, looks like a pretty badass game. I've, I wouldn't know. Only child. So I, pl- I watched me play video games. Yeah, yeah, you were Mario. I was not even Luigi. Yeah, I had a PlayStation. I didn't even play Mario. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm going to see it because of Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain. Yeah, I mean, well, if they're yeah. signing on for it. Maybe it's worth checking out. I'll see basically any action movie with either of them in it and then both of them together. Perfect. Rawson Marshall Thurber. I just like saying his name. <laughs> um, and finally, and I thought this was upsetting, but felt I needed to bring this up because the Golden Globes were yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday, February 27th, so we're not going to be able to showcase the Globe winners. Um, expect a full recap on next week's show. But former president of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, Mihir Tatna, admitted that the HFPA hasn't had any black members on the board in nearly 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't believe that. Like this, 
the Golden Globes this year, especially, so much has come out about how fucking corrupt this this whole thing is that all credibility is pretty much thrown out the window. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe this is the beginning of the end for what I've always felt was a pretty redundant award show anyway. Yeah, su- and super interesting that we're talking about it before it happens. And I'm, I'm just sure it's not going to be the best show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, under the circumstances and just, yeah, all the fire that, that it's under. They've always been made fun of, you know, just in general anyway. And then this year, it's just uh, a lot of things are coming to light. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 becoming um, common knowledge that, like you said, they're just really corrupt. Well, I remember one of the shows that got nominated, like everyone thought was a terrible show. Uh, Emily in Paris, I think it was called. Emily goes to Paris, yeah. Oh, yeah. I... Yeah, I've heard about that one. Well, the nominations came out of basically, like, basically bribery. I mean, they were, the Hollywood Foreign Press, like, voters were brought to Paris, given, like, you know, put up in a great hotel, given, like, great meals. And what do you know, this shitty TV show has, like, five Golden Globe nominations. Yeah. Did you hear what the writer, I believe, um, said about it? No, what did they say? Um. I believe she said that she pitched it to Netflix originally with it being, um, I guess, an Indian woman leading and they didn't like it. They kind of dogged it a little bit, made a big deal. And she pitched it. I don't know how much time passed after that, but she pitched it again with a white woman lead and they loved it and they took it and nominated for all these things. And she's kind of just like dumbfounded. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's infuriating. It's every time it looks like you know things are getting better, shit like this comes out, and it's just well, well, the thing that made me the most like angry about, like as a viewer, yeah, uh, was just a movie we 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 all watched was Minari. How the fuck is that up for best foreign? <laughs> it's a it's a it's a twenty four distributed. It's an American made movie filmed in America. <laughs> what it's it's about a movie it's a movie about people in america moving from california to arkansas what like yeah. it's flat out disrespectful and yeah. those those things as we are like uh, people who watch the movies th- that you have power in what you tell people is in each category and over time if you say that this is what this is this is what this is and you build it into people that they think it's going to be a foreign movie no it's not no it's not it's pretty much as American as it can get uh, yeah. uh, that, that film. That's really, really frustrating. I, I hate things that they do like that. Uh, uh, and then you hear these bigger picture things of your board is basically just old white people. That, that sucks. That sucks. Well, I hate that there's even a stigma around the phrase foreign film anyway. Yeah. Like exactly. in this country that yeah. we have to even say like, be careful. There's subtitles like that. Yeah. shit. I'm tired of that. Yeah. And then you do that. Double down. You double down on that. You double down on that by putting a movie that's not even foreign, <laughs> like Minari. You you you're you're putting it into a hole, uh, into like a, a you're putting it into a, like a box, and I don't like that. It's a movie about like literally the American dream in <laughs> America. By you know, half of it's in English. <laughs> I mean, yeah. for fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Frustrating. But Inglorious Bastards is a is, is American. Yeah. <laughs> There's less English in that movie. <laughs> ah, God. Dumb. 
You know what this means? Basically, what we have to do is we have to write a script. We have to develop an amazing film. We have to get some power. We have to join the Hollywood foreign press and then dismantle this whole fucking thing. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like we the whole show needs to change. It needs to become a whole new thing that can that can become because it's it, it's a lot about, you know, po- it's like a popularity thing. It's like, OK, then let's actually nominate the people that are popular. Well, like Zaya and John David Washington, you know, and actually put, actually put Minari in drama. Like, I don't know. But the whole thing with the Globes. I mean, we have the Emmys. We have the Oscars. Like, why do we need this? Yeah. So if you're going to have it, it needs to be fair and be for the people. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not like, you don't even need to be here. So, you know, behave. <laughs> like that's the way I see it. Like yes. you weren't invited. So stop being an asshole. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. And you don't want to like, I mean, all, you know, award shows are pretty silly, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> admittedly. At, 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 at the root they are but it, it also does good things it creates discourse for for movies and get, sometimes you know gives a movie a chance to get in theaters more and make more money and that's great and it gives a, a, a guy a chance to make another movie right after those are really good things for you know filmmaking and certain filmmakers but you know none of them are really reflective of how just everyday movie fans actually think and actually care you know and that's that's pretty frustrating as as you 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 want it to reflect what what we really care about you know true but i think there needs to be a little bit of a line between people voting and people seeing movies otherwise you know best picture 2006 would have been like jackass 2 so i agree i agree with you i still think that there should be um it shouldn't be like american idol where fans just vote that's that I definitely don't think that. That's a hellscape. But you, I don't want to live there. You hear stuff about the board, uh, you know, f- for the Globes only, only watching 25 movies in the whole year. Yeah. That's not right. That's, that's ridiculous. Not, that's that's crazy stuff. Or, or to be a journalist under their criteria, they only have to have written six things over the past two years. What? So can I be on the... <laughs> We've written... You know, that's, like, that's bonkers. Well, 50 times that in the past, like, yeah. six months. <laughs> It sucks. All the stuff that's coming out about it, it's really, it's really frustrating. And because you want, you want there to be uh, legitimate opinions where the, the people that are voting for what we're, you know, watching, you want them to really yeah. know what they're talking about. I want them to have seen a hundred movies in a year so that they have a full, yeah. you know, scope of what everything that's come out. I, I think it's ridiculous that we have higher standards than the voters of like the Academy and the Hollywood foreign press. We won't talk about a movie unless we've actually fucking seen it. <laughs> That's a big part of it. Like yeah. when I found out that the Oscars are only watching like 15 minute segments, like I wanted to punch a door. Like, what is that? Yeah. Wait, That's really happening. It, well, it's, yeah. it's, well, yeah, the Oscars have been, I mean, all of them, again, all, all of these, you know, yeah. the Grammy. Emmys. They get, they get a pile of like, submissions of people of films going you know hey i was awesome vote for my film so they they send in like a highlight reel the they'll watch the highlight reel and then think oh that deserves best picture yeah that's kind of that's really lazy yeah and now now they're trying they're trying to change everything they're trying you know there's like actual gonna be rules in place now it should not take nearly a hundred years to no. them, make them realize maybe we should watch the whole movie <laughs> yeah it's the 90 the 93rd academy awards are about to happen in april 
Good Lord. And we're just now figuring out that, oh, we should probably have some diversity on the, the, the board of members who are going to vote. And we should probably watch all the movies. <laughs> Crazy. It sounds like a mess. <laughs> it is. It's ridiculous. And we've built an entire podcast around it just because we, we think it matters to, to an extent. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, that's they, that's that's the whole com- that's the whole like fun of the conversation. It's all in context, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the more I learn about the Oscars, the more I'm like, why do I care so much? But then I watch the movies, and I'm like, oh, that's why. The, you care about the movies. You don't care about. You don't care that these group of people voted for you know Francis McDormand or whatever you. You care that Frances McDormand was in three billboards and that she was in Fargo and that she was in these movies. And you care that someone recognized that. That's cool. There's something cool about that. I'm also a firm believer of like, once you hit like 75, 80, I don't think you should be in any sort of position of power. Like, no, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, politics, movies, manager at a gas station, anything. I think you are out of touch with the majority of the human race. You need to go away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I, I know that there, there are people, uh, you know, critics and just, you know, maybe people on podcasts that I would legitimately listen to them at the end of the year, vote on something because I trust them. And I know that they've watched a bunch of stuff. If uh, Wesley Morris of the New York Times was like, here's the top 10 movies of 2020. I would look at that list and take it very seriously because I trust that this guy has watched probably a hundred movies from the year and has really taken them seriously. And that's what he does for a living. I trust that. Well, I think that, you know, we're kind of the new like generation of film critics. Like, you know, this is how it's done now. Podcasts and YouTube videos. Like this is how people review film these days. There's no film buff magazine anymore. Like, there's no column in the New York Times. I mean, there is, but nobody's fucking reading it. And I think they need to, you know, understand that. I think they need to start looking at alternative, you know, ways of reviewing film and maybe give some of these people, i.e. us, a, you know, a little bit more say in the industry. Not necessarily us, but eventually when we, you know, hit a certain I, number. <laughs> I know what you mean. The podcast, the podcast culture is uh, has a huge has a huge part in, in how people see movies. Like if Sean Fennessy of the big picture says uh, this Thomas Vinterberg Danish movie called another round is really good. A bunch of people are going to take that, go home and be like, yeah, I'm going to choose that because this guy recommended it instead of scrolling from through Netflix for two hours and not choosing anything. People do that. I do that. There's a lot of people who do that. And there's value in that. There's value in people creating discourse. And you, of course, you and I are always trying to do that with new and old movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just did a whole Oscar Sunday where we were on very different pages the entire time. And yeah. I think it was, you know, still, we got good content out of it. It's, I just, you know, I want all facets of the industry to recognize just how much on the precipice we are of definitive permanent change. And they need to get with the program. Yeah. The Academy especially, because their voices matter. The Hollywood Foreign Press, is they're, they're stuffed. Yeah, kind of get just made fun of, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, 
that was what happened last week in film. Before we settle into our main event, let's talk about two other films that came out this week, Tom and Jerry and Minari. So first up, Tom and Jerry, the lighthearted uh, sorbet, if you will. Uh, I didn't like the taste. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't watch this one. Uh, I'm a lifelong Tom and Jerry fan, and this was fucking stupid. It was insulting. It made no sense. Like, you have, you know, 50, 60 years worth of material, of cartoons, of adventures, ideas, and you make them beggars in Central Park who work in a hotel with Chloe Grace Moretz. That's that's the plan. (laughs) Yeah, I am a firm believer that you probably shouldn't touch a classic, and I consider Tom and Jerry a classic. Yeah. And when they're, like, coming out with all these reboots and live actions and all that stuff, I'm like, be careful because you could really mess up like I guess the repu- repu- um, reputation of the franchise mm-hmm. yeah. and I watched like the first 20 minutes and even I was getting bored but I could see that my two-year-old child was like this isn't for me and like would walk off and I'm like all right if she doesn't approve of it yeah why am I going to sit here and watch the uh, other like an hour and 40 minutes it was yeah but I no, it's kind of disappointing because I feel like Warner Brothers doesn't really miss. Because I mean, I watched the little the Scooby Doo remake that they did, and I was like, that was cute. It was nice, no. but Tom and Jerry was nowhere near that. This was, um, I think, a big part of it is mixing live action and animation. I think you, there's a right way to do that, Space Jam, and there's a wrong way to do that. Looney Tunes back in action. So <laughs> that's my spectrum for, for live action animation. And um, this was just, or correct me if I'm wrong, but did you feel this too? This felt like it came out in 2007. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Did it give you this did not feel like it came out this past Friday. <laughs> oh my God. It looks like the live action Garfield from the the little trailers I saw. Yeah. 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 It had about that much value too. (laughs) It was just the cast is so like Chloe Grace Moretz, Michael Pena as the bad guy, like doing an accent, which is weird. I mean, he doesn't have an accent. (laughs) I've heard him talk in interviews. He does not have an accent. (laughs) Yeah, no, the way he talks in like End of Watch is how he talks. Yeah. Yeah. It's Rob Delaney was like the hotel manager. Tom and Jerry are just kind of like in Central Park. Jerry's, I mean, Tom's got a keyboard. He's in Central Park, like playing a keyboard. Everyone's like, hey, it's a cat playing a keyboard. This is cool. And I don't know. It's just nobody really addresses the fact that like animals can talk or can't talk. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. (laughs) I was just telling my mom about that when I was watching. I was like, why can the other animated animals speak, but not them? And then the comedy on top of it that they were trying to like insert in the movie, I was like, this is not funny. And I can tell they're trying to be funny. So it's making it worse. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. This wasn't an accident. Like they really were trying to make something. They and- were trying to hit a goal and they did not hit it at all. I knew it was going to be a disaster within 30 seconds. As soon as the rapping pigeons showed up, I was out. Yeah. 
I was like, huh, this is questionable. And it just kept going down. He was like, all right, I'm out. I've had enough. But I, I had the pact. I made a pact with Caleb. We can't turn anything off. I had to, I had to power through. I mean, it took, it, I, it was installments. I watched like 20 minutes of it. I watched three episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And then I went back in. I needed a, I, I was watching a comedy and I wasn't laughing. I needed to laugh. Yeah, I need to get out of here. Yeah. That was my goal was to try and just sit through it. And I did what you did. Like I was going to come back after the first 20 minutes that I sat through, but I ended up watching something else. And I was like, mm, yeah, it's not worth it. Yep. Must be nice. I got to see these <laughs> things through. The, I've watched so many horrible movies to like to the end credits. It's it's rough. <laughs> this was just got to get the review in too. You know? <laughs> yeah, I got to. Yeah, if I just review good movies, you know, where's the fun in that? That's true. I um I remember the first Tom and Jerry movie. I had I had it as a kid where they talked for the first time and everyone was like, "Whoa!" And yeah. I remember their reasoning was like, Tom's like, hey, how come you never said anything before? And Jerry's just like, I didn't think you'd listen. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Richard Kind was Tom. Perfect. Yeah. And they ended up like saving some orphan from a crazy ass like vet who wanted her dead and her, her, her dad was alive. I don't, it was weird, but it was better. And it's, I remember details of that. I don't remember a lot of details of this one. And I watched it yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, six out of 10 for me. I was just, I wasn't going in with high expectations, but it is Tom and Jerry and I wanted something. So yeah. I feel like I cannot rate it because I didn't finish it. Fair enough. I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> yeah, and I don't intend on watching it. So fuck off, Tom and Jerry. <laughs> My favorite thing about this is that Willow didn't care. He was. So uninterested that if I had created this movie, I'd be offended because I'm like you're too. You get fascinated by like your feet, but you're not you're not going to sit through an hour and forty minutes of this. That's another thing. Hour forty is too long for a kids' movie. Very long. At least I guess for that, because like I mean, yeah, you think you, about you it. You gotta be like Coco or Soul to be pushing that kind of fucking yeah. runtime. Yeah, but that's like legitimate storytelling with a like, yeah. purpose. This like is Tom and Jerry movie, in a hotel. A goofy movie is 78 minutes. Bam. Perfect. Perfect. Sweet spot. <laughs> so yeah, this was yeah. just a disaster. If you can get under an hour 20, that's ideal. Yeah. It's perfect. But you know, if you if y'all do want to watch it, it is on HBO Max for a month and then hopefully it's gone forever. <laughs> Who the hell is going to want to watch it after hearing what we just said? <laughs> we just shitted on this movie. <laughs> I anyway. love, I, I hope there's somebody out there who's like, just completely does not understand human emotion. And they're like, sounds like they liked it. <laughs> Maybe I should check that out. <laughs> um, the other movie, uh, I really wanted to watch The Father. I was hoping to base this whole episode around The Father. And it comes out, but it doesn't come out here. And that sucks. So I don't know when we're going to get to see the father. Yeah, I know, man. It might, yeah, it might be one that we have to rent at some point. I'm willing to. I That's been on my list since like November. I, I really, really want to see that. Yeah. Love me. Well, we, got, we got to ahead of the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Minari. 
uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I did not look it up. Uh, I thought this was very, I, I mean, the expectations were pretty high for this. They've been, I've heard nothing but praise on this for months now. And uh, yeah, I think it was worth the praise. It was very good. It was a very emotionally charged family drama that I thought had a lot to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I, I thought it was uh, pr- properly, properly hyped, you know? Yeah. Uh, similar to Nomadland where I was like, okay, I get it. This is pretty damn good, you know? Uh, I like this movie a little bit more than Nomadland though, uh, in terms of, you know, coming, coming down the wire, coming down the award season. I think Minari is one of the strongest I've seen so far. It's, it's, it's important, you know, to, to have movies like this that create a conversation like breaking the barrier of quote unquote foreign movie and how, how this, this one is just like we've said before, just as American as it can get. And I, I, I for one, just thought the, the directing was like, was, you know, tremendous and just a beautiful, beautifully shot movie. That's for sure. Yes, indeed. Uh, I thought Steven Yen did a great job. Uh, I'm a big walking, or I was a big walking dead fan. So it's nice to see him. Was, was, no, was as well. Yeah, (laughs) was. What season broke? What season broke you guys? Nine. Uh, I don't remember the number, but it was close to a little after Negan popped on the screen. Love him. Thought he was a great character, but after a while, I was like, "This is this is a lot. This is a bit much for me." A lot of people checked out after that one. That was uh that broke a lot of people. Just watching Negan beat the absolute hell out of two beloved characters. Oh, and it sucked because. Steven's character was my favorite. And I'm like, I don't know how to cope after witnessing this. So I was like, I'm just going to check out. This is too much. I, I wasn't emotionally broken because I, I think if you watch enough horror movies to the point where I, I have, I think you get a little bit of a sadistic streak. Because <laughs> I was kind of like, damn. And I, I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So I was like, I was following the bat with him. I was like, <laughs> Take him out. I'm not proud of that, but I'm, <laughs> it happened. No, I understand you completely though, because he plays that role so well that I'm like, I don't, I want to be on your side, but at the same time, oh my God, you're doing a lot right now. He's a larger than life presence of like, I can't believe this is a real human being. Like who has that many complex emotions going on at once? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a lot crazy scary guy laughing his ass off while beating another man to death i mean repeatedly like it's not just like a couple swings like he's just going constantly and with a smile on his face yeah i thought that i think that's one of the best villain introductions in pop culture history i was like fuck this guy's scary like immediately as soon as he walked out of that trailer with the bat i'm like they're fucked I had no hope for anybody. Yeah. But yeah, that's a lot of people's uh, last memories of Steven Young is seeing his eye bulge out while Negan breaks him in half, really, with a bat. So it was nice to see him at whole again as a uh, the patriarch of a Korean family here. Yeah. <laughs> Could not. Yeah, as a, 
the dad. Yeah, you could not put those two projects farther apart. You really couldn't. <laughs> it's great. Kind of makes me want to go back, go back and watch Negan again because he's he's still in the show. Yeah, like they never killed him. Amazingly, like I mean, well, I know, I, I understand guess. contracts and storytelling, but no way that guy lasts after they can't. Not forget it. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> ah, um. Yeah, I- movie kind of blind i didn't see any trailer i didn't know who was in it but i knew that austin watched it earlier and he liked it so when i saw steven on screen i was immediately invested because i was like i actually like you i know who you are this is cool and seeing him act this way was really cool it was different from what i'm obviously used to seeing with him being on the walking dead and he did a wonderful job everyone did a wonderful job and i don't actually have any negative takeaways at all from the movie i don't think um, I thought it dragged a little bit at times, uh, but that might've been just me. I've been pretty tired today. Uh, <laughs> I got to acknowledge these. I got to realize like, is it the movie? <laughs> I didn't get enough sleep. <laughs> and I was up till four in the morning watching our next movie. And, uh, this was just, uh, I, I thought the, um, the guy who played, um, his weird, church friend uh paul will Patton. That will was Patton, will... Yeah. that's what our a boy str- that's our boy from Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange character like you don't see that kind of character in like a good guy role ever like that's you know head of the cult like killing everybody kind of character but in this you know the the weird guy who drags across like across the road every Sunday and speaks in tongues is actually a really good friend of the family. <laughs> I was anticipating on him to be like evil and it never happened. I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. Some Arkansas shit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was just talking about that with, with my mom. I was like, yeah, the biggest surprise of this movie was that nobody went after them. And I mean, I don't want to sound crass, but in 1980s Arkansas, if a Korean family moves into town, they're going to be called some names. And the movie didn't do any of that, which means, like, did these guys, and I know this is semi-autobiographical, so did they, like, just, were they accepted? That's that's a great, I love that. Yeah, it was, it was a pleasant surprise for sure, because I was waiting for something horrible to happen. Yeah, like when they told him to stand up at church, I thought they were going to say, like, now get out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See that that's it though, is like I think I think like I, I was I was I was with you guys. I was kind of like waiting for something like that to happen. I and then when the bad thing does happen, it's actually it it's from it's you know the sources from their own family. Yeah. But uh, I I think there's too too far too many movies that whether they be um d- no matter what the time period is, if it's about a you know an Asian family, uh, a black family in America or Latino family in the movie just has bits of like, here's, here's where the, them going through racism. And that's in movies a lot. I mean, feels like it has to yeah. be there. And that was one of my favorite things about Minari yeah, was yeah, like, Oh my God, it's, it's just about this family. Like it's, they're really actually just honing in on this Korean American family just has emotions. They're just going through things like any family drama 
Yeah. And I really, I sincerely appreciated that they, they really honed in on the family and those moments were in there, they're in the church or, or when young David goes to his friend's house and the dad's just like a little off, but nothing, he never actually says anything. I like that. I, I found that to be painfully realistic where it's like, there's something in the room, but no one's really going to say it you know, and, and that's really how it is in the Midwest and in the South. Like that, I was, I was blown away by the tone, how tonally aware uh, this movie is. It's pretty, pretty spectacular because I, I find a lot of movies to take the route where they do do something where like the husband gets beat up or something by some racist white guys. This, this movie actually just kind of focused on them. And that, that's really it. And that was really cool. Yeah, that was refreshing to not have any racial trauma at all in the movie. Because kind of see that a lot with movies now. And so I was kind of holding on, like anticipating for that. And it never happened. It was like you can finally like take like a sigh of relief that the movie's over and nothing happened to them like that. It was nice. I think it's really sad that we were all expecting that. Uh, yep. That yeah. we all have seen so many movies where that does happen. And heard so many stories where that does happen that we were surprised that it didn't. That's that's really fucked up. The more you think about yeah. it, like, yeah, that's how we're like kind of trained. Yeah, we're kind of trained with that eye for there to just be trauma involved in someone who's not white. You know, a family who's not white. It's really crazy. It's really really crazy. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, what do you think this film's Oscar chances are? Oh, I think it has great, great chances. I really do. Um, I, th- I, I think for multiple reasons, I think <clears throat> the fact that uh, uh, obviously a Korean movie dominated did really well <laughs> at this most recent Oscars. I, I think that bodes well for it. And the fact that it, it, it met expectations. People are wowed by it. People are really into it. People are renting it. Um, and, you know, just normal, normal movie fans like us are really enjoyed it or, you know, finding it to be a really entertaining movie. The stupid, you know, subtitle barrier really is nothing. You know, uh, this movie is pretty seamless in the way it moves. So yeah, yeah, I think it has great Oscar chances. Uh, And I think, I think someone like Steve could, could be up for, could be up for his performance. Maybe, maybe. I don't know if I'd throw this any, any acting love, um, I could see maybe a director or screenplay nod. I don't think it's going to, I think this is going to be fairly, uh, oh, like ignored. I think Fair I have enough. a feeling like two or three at, at most. Yeah. I don't know. I think just, I, I, have, I have a gut feeling. I think the, the competition's actually surprisingly stiff this year. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know. Do you happen to remember how Parasite did at the Globes? I don't. I don't off the top of my head now. I, 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 that's such a such a you know tough question because they do mirror each other sometimes. You know the Oscars and Globes, and then there's sometimes where they're completely off. You know, yeah. and well, and then the Globes has the whole thing of like, I mean, The Hangover has won a Golden Globe, you know, for best comedy slash musical. It's just a totally different thing sometimes. Go, yeah. All right. Here we go. At the Globes, it was only up for screenplay and director and foreign film, and it lost director and screenplay one foreign film. There so, you go. Hmm. 
All right. You know what? I might be wrong. Minari might actually get some love here. Uh, the, yeah, the only reason I, I have hope, I have high hopes for it because I think Minari is the kind of movie again, because of the, because of the kind of like controversy that it started around the globes and being in the globes, all this stuff is happening around and all these stories coming out. I just think it would be really cool if the Oscars were like touche and they gave Minari six or seven nominations. That'd be really cool. Yeah, but I also don't want it to happen just so they can say like, see, we're not corrupt and non-inclusive. Like, that's part of, that that's part of the deal though. That's part of the deal is you do, you, you need to watch more movies and you need to see more things from different places, from different kinds of creators. Yeah. And sometimes that means you, yeah, you got to like include other people in your, uh, you know, in your, your watching library and, and kind of venture out. And these guys clearly don't do that often. <laughs> Yeah, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association does not really leave this country. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I love this because we're recording it before the results. I can't wait to see them. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to know what won. See if you know we're in the ballpark. I wonder when are the Oscar announcements happening. Let's see. I'm not sure. The show's the show is April twenty eighth. Oh, that's that's a long time. Oscar nominations announcement March fifteenth. Oh shit, we're coming up. Okay, very nice. Couple weeks. Yeah, sweet. Um, so yeah, Minari, I give it an eight. Yeah, I, I, I give Minari a nine personally. Yeah, I thought it thought it moved moved like fucking butter. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I can tell I'm gonna rewatch it a few times uh, in the near future. Yeah. yeah, I'm also gonna give it a nine. I actually think I might have convinced my mom to watch it. That's great. Very nice. So we'll see. My family will randomly get sucked into random British dramas and that'll consume 90% of their time. It's incredibly difficult for me to get them to see movies now. <laughs> hey, COVID, COVID's changed all of us, huh? I'm still trying to fight for Mank. Like, I'm still pushing that one. <laughs> so, uh, well, I, I can't I... even start to get into 2021. I'm still pushing 2020 movies. There's so so many movies have, have come out since Mank that it's just like yeah, the, the wave doesn't stop for anybody, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, I feel like a mom and pop store that just had a Walmart open across the street. <laughs> like what? A, <laughs> I can try my hardest to, you know, say like check this out, it's really good, but constant stream of never-ending British drama over there. I can't compete with that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's great so let's get into the big one of the evening or morning whenever you're listening to this the united states versus billy holiday is based partly on the book chasing the scream the first and last days of the war on drugs by johan hari and um i didn't know a lot about billy holiday prior to seeing this film um especially not her drug problems i didn't know about that i knew about the song strange fruit I, um, I had a whole unit on that in, um, in Maryland in uh, ninth, ninth grade. We listened to that song and talked about it. But you know, we talked about it pretty uh, you know, G-rated because it was public school. So we didn't really learn the full scope of the song. And um, I'm fairly, I'm not surprised, but I am blown away with how desperate the government was to get rid of that song. Uh, thoughts? Take it away. 
um, I think I, I went in actually knowing about this movie compared to Minari where I didn't know anything. And so I was really excited. I love Andrew Day and I thought that was gonna be a great opportunity for her to get out there. And I was also excited to see what her acting skills were like. And I think she did a really good job. I think the cast was pretty cool, but I'm very confused on what Lee Daniels goal was. Cause I feel like he was kind of gearing it towards centering around the song Strange Fruit and how it ruffled feathers of people in higher, higher places, I would say. And it just felt like he was struggling on staying with that, but centering the movie around that. And it felt like he was kind of like just hopping around from different plot points of what he wanted to focus on. It was like her drug problem, the abuse that she faced with men, the abuse with her, uh, with her mother. And then it's like, we're gonna wrap up with the um, FBI and then we're gonna bring back in the strange fruit plot. And it just felt very confusing at some points. I feel like it had potential to be really effortless and clean if he would have just stuck to maybe one topic and just kind of highlighted bits and pieces of different things here and there. Because I think I've seen some of his, his movies and his TV shows even, and I think he does well. So it kind of took me aback to see that this movie was kind of choppy in some ways. Okay. I could see that. I was surprised at kind of the negative reception of this movie. I, I, I thought it was really good. I totally see a definite lack of focus. I think that comes from biopics in general. I think when you're telling yeah. a story like this, you try to narrow your focus, but then you think like, well, I can't tell that without talking about this. And I can't talk about yeah. that without bringing this up. And then you just fall down a rabbit hole. Two, hour, two hours. Yeah. Very few films maintain or biopic films maintain a focus the entire time. Uh, but I've learned to kind of throw that away just because I know this is probably going to have the same problem as the last one I saw. But I thought Andrew Day was amazing. I thought she did an incredible job. I was really uh, blown away, uh, especially when I looked up her resume and found out she hasn't really acted that much. No, she was like a voice in Cars 3, and she was like a nightclub singer in another movie, and that was it. So it's really cool to see her like have an opportunity to showcase what she, what she has and what she can do. And she didn't let me down at all with that at all. I, was, I went in with... Um, sort of high expectations, because I've heard her sing, and I'm like, they didn't put her in this role, obviously, just because she can sing. Clearly, they see something in her. And yeah. she definitely did a really good job. I and think... I... Go ahead. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I liked it, and I also, I, I feel like you're going to get into this part, so I don't want to jump ahead too far, actually, so I'm actually going to let you take over. Okay. Um... I think this year's uh, best actress category is going to be the most competitive of the entire show. I think uh, at the Oscars, I think the amount of talent they've got potential uh, nominees so far, you know, we've got Andrew Day, Carrie Mulligan, Francis McDormand. This is looking pretty crazy. <laughs> I'm, and they've all like been incredible and deserve this award. So I, I don't know who to root for this year. It's going to be great. Vanessa Kirby. 
<laughs> Maybe. Yeah. She got the Globe nomination. She might. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. So this film was directed by Oscar nominee Lee Daniels, who was nominated for Best Director and Best Picture for 2009's Precious. Some of his other films include The Butler, The Paperboy, and he's planning to direct a remake of Terms of Endearment. Uh, I haven't seen Terms of Endearment, so I don't know. No? Okay. No, I, no, I, no, I like Terms of Endearment. I don't understand why Lee Daniels wants to rehash I, it. I understood. Okay, yeah. I, but I yeah, Lee, Lee Daniels is not, 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 not really for me too much. I'm not... The Paperboy is so ridiculous that I kind of love it, but it's but it's insane. I think the Butler's uh, has the same kind of problems that this movie has that we're talking about today. And and I, uh, what was the other one? Precious, Precious is all right. I think Precious is all right. I'm not um, <clears throat> I'm not a I'm not too fond of movies that have that you know biopic syndrome where they they fall they fall to these kind of plot you know, traps and it wears me down. It makes me, it, it makes the movie drag for, for me personally, like, um, and this is, this is the issue is when you take a, a figure like this, who is so complex. Yeah. Like Billy holiday, who was known for so many different things. You could make a two-hour movie about how she was willing to stand up and fight for herself in bars. You can make a movie about her heroin addiction. You can make a movie about just her singing. You can make a movie about the you know her childhood. You can make a movie all there's so many different things, and it's probably better off as like a mini series of some sort. But I, I I felt like it was being kind of pulled in different directions, and had it not been for the lead performance, I, I, I just think this movie would have got kind of like, like lost. And it's not to say that it didn't have interesting things, but, you know, when I'm watching a, a movie that I'm <clears throat> anticipating to be, you know, of a certain level and it's using the kind of like cross dissolve to transition from one scene to the next, I was like, what is this? <laughs> it, felt, it felt like at moments I was in like a history channel like documentary and I don't like that I, I don't like that when I'm trying to watch a, a serious movie and it that those things those kind of biopicy things kind of took me out of it because there are movies that don't fall to those things like Judas and the Black Messiah which has the slight advantage of taking someone who was only 21 fucking years old when he was assassinated that they have a lot less time quite frankly, to, to work with. So you can really hone in and focus on the last couple of years of his life. This movie, United States versus Billy Holiday, felt like there's the scale is too big and Lee Daniels is trying to attack too many things. I, so I agree with Brianna. I was, I, I liked it to an extent, but I was also a little frustrated with how, with the sloppiness and the choppiness. Yeah, fair enough. It is very broad. And the trailer did promise a kind of narrowed focus on the actual strange fruit case. And yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's, I come from, you know, a history, a history lover's background. So I tend to equate these films with, you know, I'm learning. <laughs> That's how I do it with yeah. these. So I, 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 I really do not, you know, I turn that off. 
but I totally get, I totally get where you're coming from. Very interesting. It makes it, it, it makes it for a, a, a good conversation. I knew while we were watching it, we were both like, all right, she's damn good. Like she's damn good. And what's his name? Um, our boy from Moonlight. Um, cannot remember his name. Trayvon, Trayvon Rhodes. I think it's Trayvonte. Trayvonte Rhodes. I mean, he's, I think he's like a, just got the, a superstar look. This guy's, if he finds the right roles, I think he's going to, could be like a superstar. I really do. And I think there are other really interesting casting decisions. Um, just, yeah, man, you, you, you know, this has, has the biopic syndrome. It has, has it for sure. It does. It does. I think, you know, I just, I don't mind the, the biopic syndrome. It's uh, yeah. I don't mind the stigma around slashers, <laughs> you know, like we all, we all have our things that we just kind of like, that's, that's fine. And it's also a movie about Billie Holiday. Um, if, if you don't know a whole lot about her and you are an adult like you, and you can take things with a little bit of grain of salt, I think it does have some good things to say and has some cool things to say and shows just how tough, how tough it was to be here. But it also, for people who are going to take everything for truth and run with it, they might get a little confused on who she really was. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Like, did she really have an ongoing affair with a federal agent? I'm, I'm not too sure about all that, but it was pretty focused on the movie. <laughs> that felt like Hollywood, you know? That didn't feel like it really went like that. Did at the end though well mm-hmm. oh yeah but they didn't really highlight if he did have a relationship with her they just he just they said that he felt guilty for i guess misleading her and yeah. all that well yeah yeah jeez that's a whole that was a whole nother movie whenever he would be walking back to the office and there's just a bunch of white you know detectives staring at him and i was like okay there's a whole nother movie that you've unraveled <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like it man i can see what you mean when you said it definitely had like the prom it could it could easily be like a limited or mini series because oh my god it, it had kill so many like, series yeah it had so many like loose ends i guess like you could definitely like it's a lot of fascinating parts of stuff him. yeah you could definitely follow him and his journey with being a black fbi agent and then trying to also mix with you know i don't want to say the white department but you can clearly tell it's like separated like him going back and forth between offices and then you can focus on billy and like her like road family her tour family. yeah okay that they that was a whole nother movie too yeah. those that whole crew i wanted more of them uh i wanted them to be really free with the screenplay i i don't think they ever were her crew was they seemed like fascinating people yeah i want to get the names right so make sure i don't have everybody's names um it, it, yeah go ahead so, go ahead go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. it felt i'll admit that it did feel like Judas and the Black Messiah, almost famous, and A Star Is Born, kind of shoved into the same movie. That's that's pretty. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> just it has all those pieces. And well, yeah, um, especially Ju- Judas obviously is the one. It's really recent. It's a very very good movie. Uh, and and you have yeah you have the FBI thing where you have uh, one of the key characters in the movie. Uh, you know, in that one, like Keith Stanfield. So what do we got? um yeah, I like, yeah it is Trevante Rhodes yes. yes yeah I think there's a lot like there's there's a lot of things that weren't like I guess fully touched on either because you have 
somebody insinuating that her and Tallulah have oh, been together yeah. and that was never confirmed. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, that, no, I, that was just brought up and left left there. That was weird. Yeah, and it's like, why would you even like plant that seed if you're not gonna show us or like at least elaborate on that a little bit? And I feel like it it kind of gave a promise that we're gonna see a lot more of like Natasha on screen, but we we didn't, and that was yeah. kind of kind of disappointing for me because I was kind of excited to see her also in this. But yeah. why cast Natasha Lyon if you're not gonna use her? Yeah, yeah. she yeah. was she wasn't even like really a secondary character at all. No. Um, sprinkled in here and there one thing that did bug me we never really got a finalization of her interview nope that too like they kept going back to that as a framing device but then they just stopped and i kind of lost track of the timeline yeah oh for sure you definitely lose track of and, and, and and then when you feel like you're kind of gathering yourself there would be a moment in the movie where she's like, I'm singing the fucking song. And you're like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, it's about the song. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The timeline definitely got mixed <laughs> up for me. And then when I thought I was She's gathering... holding it up. She's holding this movie yeah. down, man. She's I mean, so she's good. she's doing a great job. But I felt like once I like got like some structure like as to, oh, okay, I know where we are now. It cut to that scene where um, after she shoots up with the agent and like they're they're walking in on this scene of like a lynching i'm just like what oh what yeah. is happening i was like super confused i looked down for a second and i was like i looked back up and it was the scene I was like did i miss something important i was like i almost want to ask you to rewind because i just don't understand how we got here yeah and i see what he was trying to do maybe possibly i could be completely wrong because there wasn't much for me to like grasp there it did feel with that that he was like, oh, wait, we haven't had any racial trauma in a while. We got to remind people of this is that kind of movie. Yeah. It is a little disingenuous. Something that Minari did not do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just fucking around. Yeah. No, no, no. I think, I think we're, we're, we're unraveling some, some stuff here for sure with this movie. And it's, a, it's, it's one that I was really excited to, to talk about because I knew it, it, it causes biopics always cause an interesting conversation because they're either going to be like oh my god that was amazing or they're going to create a conversation like this and i i kind of love that i think it's funny i feel like nine episodes of this show and i've already backtracked more scores than i ever have on the filmgasm podcast (laughs) (laughs) i've had to rethink so much on this show and like wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) oh boy um I thought it was cool to see uh, Tyler James Williams as uh, oh, Lester. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was a good performance. Yeah. yeah. Very good. That was a whole nother. Okay. I was like, all right. They clearly have like a brother and sister kind of relationship here. I want to watch a movie about them too. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> so I, many doors. <laughs> really though. It's just, I don't know. I, I loved his character so much too that by the time that she, you know, left them in that field or whatever and, and then you never see him again and then all of a sudden it's like Perez is dead and like you're like what yeah we're not gonna you're not gonna see him there's no funeral there's no nothing like you're introducing this character that's like kind of like her right hand man and then there's no 
conclusion for him really like you don't get to see him i guess they, they want you i guess they want the audience to have the same kind of emotions that billy holiday had where like she didn't get a lot of closure in her life i don't know that's true yeah. maybe maybe, that. maybe i don't know i mean i don't know I'm just, I, that could just be reading into it a little too deep i mean you have no choice but to kind of read into it there's so many loose ends so you kind of have to try and make certain things make sense so that the movie kind of makes sense well, yeah because movies there are movies that try to make you feel as if you're, you're the character. yeah like i one of my one of my favorite things about uh, about whiplash from 2014 is that they kind of put you into andrew's shoes yeah things are like quiet and then they're really loud and they're you know you're, you're always kind of in his perspective and I think I think maybe a biopic can can do that, you know, can really put you in their shoes and make you feel what they're going through, maybe. Yeah, I was wondering if that was his goal. And that's why maybe some of it felt so confusing and choppy because maybe her life yeah, was so fast-paced. Yeah. And, yeah. That's, and, that could be it. Biopics do that to me a lot. They put me, you know, they, they draw me in. They make me kind of experience this person's life. Mm-hmm. And it can, you know biopics made me cry more than any genre of film. I mean, the last one that really like eviscerated me that way was judgment at Nuremberg. Oh, and, uh, that's a whole nother conversation, but, um, stellar movie. Yeah. You want to cry for three hours, watch judgment at Nuremberg. Yeah. Um, but this movie, it did that too. At times there were times that were, you know, I, I found myself getting very emotional, uh, namely like, the like the lynching scene and then her kind of aftermath of that was really hard to ignore yeah um yeah the stuff with her as a child yeah is just is extremely rough yeah i think the weird thing is throughout the whole movie i kept coming back to judy garland she reminded me so much of judy garland yeah yeah so if fucking renee zellweger can win for this then i don't understand why andre you know andre day can't win for well, not just the movie Judy, but although there are a lot of similarities there, but like the actual person of Judy Garland and Billie Holiday, they have a very similar trajectory in yeah. their lives and careers. She even pointed that out in the movie. Yeah, yeah, they do. I remember that. I remember thinking like, oh, we should. And I was thinking about that before they brought that up, and I'm like, I knew I was on the right track. Yeah, Judy, Judy, yeah. Judy. I learned a little bit of Judy, and so when she made the reference, like, oh yeah, I see that. I definitely see that. That's another movie that has a little bit of biopic syndrome. Yeah, Judy. Yeah, but also made me cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's brutal. This movie, this movie's brutal too. There's a lot of pain in this movie for sure, in different ways. I mean, I automatically knew kind of what the vibe was going to be with just the opening scene alone, because you're reading about it, and then it cuts into that that image of a lynching and the aftermath of that, where the person's burning. You're just like, man, and you're sitting there like taking it all in. And that was, that almost made me want to get like a little emotional as well, because I'm like, that, that's, you're not expecting that to be the opening view of what you're going to see and it completely catches you off guard. But it goes back to, for me, the movie just not really feel like it has like a main plot point because the song is strange true, but yet you see, I don't want to see lynchings, but yet it's only, you only see like two, I think in the movie and it, they're kind of, oddly placed i guess for me so. true i i agree with that it is it's almost like an afterthought yeah um i thought i mean 
I thought the title was awfully clunky. I mean, I think Strange Fruit would have been a great title for the movie. I think they might not have done that because um, there is a Michael Brown documentary called Strange Fruit. Oh, okay. And her song is played um, maybe throughout the movie, but I know it's played like somewhere in the opening and ending credits. Oh, okay. Well, that explains it then. But it's... um. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, there's some problems. Um, let's talk a bit about the, uh, the bad guys here. Um, Carrie Anslinger. Anslinger, yeah. Fucking <laughs> douche. Just an absolute prick. And uh, Garrett Hedlund, he's pretty good at playing a prick. Yeah, he did, he did a pretty good job of, yeah, just just playing, playing the, oh uh, yeah, like all-star, all-American prick. Hoover's boy. Yeah. Ugh. Fucking Hoover. Is there any human being who's done more damage to the American people than J. Edgar Hoover? I don't think there is. That's a huge question, but yeah, he's definitely in the running. Yeah. 50 years of running the FBI and just going after anyone he deemed unworthy. Yeah. Ugh, sick. With Judas and this back to back, I've, I've lost a lot of respect for, uh, for government. And just federal yeah. agents. Like, I have... Right. Ugh, can't handle it anymore. Doesn't it suck that uh, Leo played him in that biopic, which has a lot of biopic syndrome? Yeah. I got to see that movie because I need to know if he plays him as, like, an American hero or the monster he rightly was. You do need to see it. And I'm not going to say anything. It's just a shit movie. Yeah. I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that it's not really worth the, like, two and a half hours. I saw it in theaters and I was like, this is okay. You know, yeah. I was young. I saw when I saw it in theaters with, I saw it with my dad and then watched it again, like at home. And I was like, Ooh, this is rough. <laughs> <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't very good. <laughs> Plus army hammers in it. And you know, <laughs> yikes. Oh, that's not even, I don't even know what the, that whole thing has been so crazy. And so yeah. outlandish. Like, I don't know if it's true, but it's not looking good. <laughs> He's on the cover of, like, People magazine now. Uh-oh. To, to be, like, outed as a fucking cannibal. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I mean, do you even... How do you prepare for something like that? <laughs> it sounds so outraged that you question if it's true. But there's so many people talking about it. I'm just like, it's not looking good for you, bud. Well, I've read the alleged tweets. Um, he hasn't exactly done a great job of, you know, damage control. And I know, man. yeah. I, I mean, at this point, I'm, I don't know. Maybe the Lone Ranger's a fucking lunatic. <laughs> yeah, the Winklevoss twins. Yeah, we're up to no good. <laughs> the man from Uncle just couldn't catch a break. I don't know. I don't know any more of his movies. <laughs> uh, call me by your name. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> uh, with like a 17 year old boy. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Timothy Trailmay. Tisk tisk. Tisk tisk indeed. <laughs> oh God. Um so <laughs> Michael um, Stewart is probably like, God, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, I bet you know Luca Guadagnino is like, there goes my trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. He was going to be Green Lantern, I think. Or somebody. We're prepping him for a superhero role. I know that. 
Oh yeah, I mean he was doing just fine this this whole past decade. Yeah, it's amazing how fast your career can just evaporate. With you don't even need proof. Somebody just has to say something, and you are gone. It's kind of crazy. And then other people are like, "Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I have a crazier story." <laughs> yeah, Armin <laughs> tried to fucking eat me. That's a that's an actual like. You know, accusation that people are making. Oh, he tried to eat you? Well, he tried to cook me. <laughs> Is this the first time, like, an active fucking serial killer has become a movie star? Yeah. Find out, I guess, as this unfolds. Hannibal Lecter wannabe is just roaming the streets. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. How and you know, his wife... His wife, or I guess, I don't know if they're separated, uh, owns a bakery here in San Antonio. Who? What is it? Called Bird Bakery. How about that? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to harass her or anything, but I do want to go. No, no. I don't think they're really ever there. I think they just own it, you know, and they come here every now and again. Yeah. Another one of those. Okay. I saw Army Hammer one time because he was because my, my, my dad was in the, the bakery industry for, for a long time. And Army Hammer visited my dad's warehouse and in, in his his uh, his building where, where he when he used to work at Johnson Brothers Bakery Supply. And uh, he, he was on a moped, Army Hammer, like just like riding around in San Antonio on a moped. So, yeah, right then and there, I was like, hmm. I don't know about this guy. <laughs> was he, you know, was he tailing a potential victim? Like, what was going on there? It's not like you could hide in a crowd if you're a movie star. Yeah, he's like six foot three. So yeah, like I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah, it, weird, weird image. But I it, now, I mean, that would have been eight, seven, or eight years ago. So yeah, you know, it's, I was, I was, I was quite a bit younger. You know, I was a teenager at that time. How long do you think it'll be before Disney Plus takes the Lone Ranger off of their service? Oh, that's an excellent question. Over under, over under two months. <laughs> what do you think? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. Just a little over. Two, yeah. two. Enough time for them to start really looking into this, determine whether or not it's bullshit or he really is a monster. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I hope one day to hear the time suck on Army Hammer. I, uh, I saw, uh, I, I actually saw People Magazine at, uh, we were at Target and the, like, the, line, the headline was like, it's way worse than you think. You know, <laughs> it's like a picture of Army Hammer. And it's like, oh. That is the last phrase you want next to your face. <laughs> and I'm like, Here, here's my $8.99. I want to read this shit. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's. God, that's incredible. That's a whole other depressing story. Me buying People magazine. <laughs> <laughs> there was ever a reason to, it's to read about how Army Hammer might be a serial killer. <laughs> Not just a serial killer cannibal. I mean, that's, I don't want, you know, I, I don't want to say worse than a serial killer because a serial killer is pretty bad. But you start eating people, there's, there's a, and there's a new level of fucked up. Is there yeah. anywhere past that? I think that's the, the top. Yeah, I think like like I mean, if you're like burning people and eating them, yeah, that's pretty. Uh, it's probably at the top of the list there. Yeah. 
or cooking them. I don't know if he's eating them burned. I mean, I wouldn't want my, my meal ruined, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. Just well done, man. Don't get carried away. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but I got to assume they're putting a little care into the, into the cook, you know, a little, you know, some shallots, a little olive oil, something. Easy. Don't just eat it raw like a fucking savage. <laughs> Jesus, I'm not an animal. <laughs> I could just see this being played back to me in court. Uh, oh, mine flashed in there. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> how did we get here? I don't remember how we got to Army Hammer's fucked up. How did we get to Army Hammer? I remember the last thing we were talking about was the agent and Slinger, and then oh yeah, and then we went to wow, and then Hoover. This is Hoover's fault, of course, just like fucking everything. (laughs) Yep. Thanks, Jad. You're. I hope you're looking up at us right now. Um, (laughs) We all know where that motherfucker went. Um. So yeah, it's Anslinger is just a real sour son of a bitch who is so determined to bring down. Billie Holiday because she's a strong black woman living life her own way. That's what it's all about. And this song makes people think about what's happening in their country and what people are doing. And I can't believe the FBI. Oh, I can. I can believe it. I just fucking hate it that the FBI was putting vast amounts of resources into just ruining her life so that nobody would know about the song. Like, what the fuck? It, the more I learn about this stuff, the more I just, I just think like, how the hell have we ever been painted as the good guys? I mean, we've done so much, America has done so much irreparable damage to its own people. And I just think about like, you know, in elementary school, we're raised to be like, you know, oh, Christopher Columbus was a good guy and oh, the civil rights movement was peaceful and all this stuff. It's all propaganda and bullshit, and we believe it for so much of our lives. And ah, yeah. Frustrating. It's really frustrating. It's so weird let down, like you pointed out, like in elementary school, everything's kind of like painted as a fairy tale almost. But then as you get older, you're like, where you're like, oh shit, this is not what I learned and what I grew up on at all. Yeah. And then snowballing. I remember when I first, I mean, different movie, but I remember when I first learned about um, kind of like what the um, Judas and the Black Messiah movie was based on. And it didn't seem believable to me because we we're always being said, you know, everything was kind of all right and nothing was this violent or dark. And then you hear about it and you're just like, there, there's no way. It just seems so twisted and unraveling everything and how America can be very dark. It doesn't I don't know how to explain it. I had, um, I had one history class in high school and it was taught by the football coach. And yeah, you see why I want to be a history teacher? That's why. <laughs> and, um, All right, guys, open up to page 69. <laughs> we had uh, like one week on the civil rights movement and we only talked about Martin Luther King and we had a vocab quiz. That was the... That's all we did on the civil rights movement. We didn't go into detail. He read from the teacher's edition. We did the vocab quiz. We matched terms. We filled in the blanks. We moved on to Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For whatever reason, you're expected to, if you want to learn, really learn about 
black American history, you like have to do it yourself, I guess. Like you have to act, seek it out yourself. It's, it's unbelievable, but I, I, I hope people learn, you know, to do that because it's, it's just simply not going to be done for you. It's not going to be handed to you in the right way. Yeah. And if it is, it's not going to be told truthfully. So you, you really do have to seek out things. And it's nice to see now in 2021 that there are biopics in place like this and like Judas and the Black Messiah that, yeah. that, that, that really can try and teach, teach a lesson and, and be like this, like Brianna said, this is how dark it actually is. You know, it's not, um, there is no way to kind of beat around the bush. You know, it, it's, it's, it, it was assassination. It was evil. It was torture. You know, these things, it's important for, for the medium to recognize that and actually be used for, for, for that reason, you know, cause we can go on and on. The history books just don't, don't say it. Just don't, they just choose to not have those stories in there, you know, um, from, from like kindergarten to college, like that's just how it is. Well, the really fucked up part is now they're trying to rewrite the history books to erase that side of history to make us, you know, like Texas history books, especially, or, you know, they're removing, they're trying to remove slavery from the textbooks. They're calling it like, you know, making it seem like it was an option and yeah. shit like that. Like we're trying to erase the worst parts of America to paint us as the hero. And that is so frustrating to somebody who really cares about history and need, you know, wants people to know the truth of where we came from. It's not pretty, but it's ours. And we need to embrace that. Now, if we, I, I firmly believe in those who don't know, understand their histories are doomed to repeat it because we do that all the fucking time. We're in the middle of it right now. Yeah, and I just get really heated about the erasement. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm using it of history. Yeah, no, that I don't understand what they think they're gonna. Like, what's the outcome of erasing all of it? Like, I mean, yeah, sure, you're not pointing like the fingers no longer being pointed at like you, but like, what? Who? What is anyone gonna gain or learn from that? I don't understand. Nothing. That's the point. They don't want us learning anything. They want to keep yeah. us complacent and, you know, pledging allegiance. That's the whole point. Yeah. Pawns. <laughs> um, realize. It's depressing. Yeah, it's incredible. See why I want Godzilla? <laughs> it's, this has been every episode of this show. <laughs> yeah, so and then we got... Time we did Batman. And then we got the little things, and that just wasn't even a good movie. So, like, it's, it's like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, uh, that scene where she tries to sing the song and is immediately rushed by the cops uh, immediately gave me flashbacks of Lenny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. good call. Now, you know, First Amendment rights are kind of a fucking joke in this country. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I kept coming back to a lot of stuff. Yeah, performing on a stage. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Uh, hmm. um, <laughs> so the United States versus Billy Holiday currently sits at an IMDb score of 6.3, Rotten Tomatoes score of 56%. It is a Hulu original, so that's where you can always find it. Yeah. Um, anything else you guys would like to add about this movie? You got anything? I mean, not not really. I feel like the only positive take 
that I did enjoy was her receiving actual love because I feel like she never did throughout anything with her mom with past relationships with you know the public and with her drug abuse so it was nice to see someone who feels like they're on the defensive all the time have someone kind of like break those down and genuinely love her and it's if it if this if this is anywhere near the truth like the movie is and it's nice to see that maybe she did leave this world experiencing genuine love at some point yeah that would be nice again judy (laughs) yeah yeah crazy um i give the film an eight i thought it was eye-opening thought-provoking incredibly well acted and infuriating the one thing i can say about biopics regardless of how accurate they are they get people talking they get people thinking about these people. They get people to maybe do a little extra research and learn about who these people really were. Yeah. I think they're wins. I appreciate that. I, I like that. I like that. I, I, um, tar- I think it's harder for me. I'm kind of jealous of that. It's harder for me to, to look at a movie's um, kind of influence. Like I, I appreciate it, but I also personally give the movie a six because I, I just think it, I think it had a lot of, a lot of room to to be better had a lot of potential and just kind of left those doors open but we we have someone who's who's clearly here to stay in andre day she's um <clears throat> hopefully going to get all kinds of movie roles because she's she's clearly got pipes but she's also has a, has kind of a pretty easy ability to be on the screen yeah she should play audrey in the little shop of horrors remake Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. That'd be cool yeah. as shit. <laughs> I, I have previously thought Kiersey Clemens, but yeah, that's actually, this, this would be better. Yeah. Well, it's Scarlett Johansson, regrettably, but it should have been Andrew Day. I would have. I like Scarlett Johansson, but yeah, now I would prefer this after you hearing that. No. Can she sing? Not really. Mm, no. I've heard. She can sing like something. jokingly. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it? like Saturday Night Live singing. Yeah. What movie was she in that she was singing in? I feel like we watched it recently. I don't know. Not Hail Andrew Day, for sure. Hail Caesar. Oh, she does sing. Yeah, yeah. She performs a bit in that and does, yeah. There's a little singing. Nice. It, that's, that's not what it was, was it, though? It was a kid's name, sure. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Monica probably she sings a little bit of Marriage Story. She does a little. Yeah. Quick little papa. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I like her, but I, I like that call of Andre Day. Playing. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We'll see. I mean, that that cast is looking kind of neat. I mean, Taron Edgerton is going to be Seymour, so I'm okay with that. And then um, Billy Porter is Audrey too, so he's going to be the plant. And Perfect. Chris Evans is the psycho dentist. So I'm okay with that. I just, I, I don't know. I think Andre Day can sing, and that's better. Yeah. What it was, was it? a, it, it's Sing, the animated movie. There you go. There you go. Came she out, played the porcupine. Came out the same year as Hail Caesar. Um, Brianna, what's your score on this film? I also give it a six, but I do like that it is causing conversation. I, I saw a bunch of articles about it and people were talking about it. And I like that that's at least a conversation and people are talking about not only her, but you know, the song and the history behind that as well. 
Yeah, for sure. It's a, any, anytime people embrace history of any sort, it's a win for me. And I like seeing people, you know, learn. It's nice. They don't learn anymore. <laughs> no, it definitely opens some people's eyes and I can appreciate that for sure. Well, that is all for this week, folks. I want to thank Brianna for being here today. This was awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Next week, we'll be talking about the Golden Globe winners and also dig into some of these films. We've got quite a large bunch of options. Five films are coming out next week. Uh, oh, boy. Coming to America on Amazon Prime, Raya and the Last Dragon on Disney+, Plus, Chaos Walking in theaters, Boss Level in theaters, and Moxie on Netflix. Check out next week's show to see what we get to talk about. And also, don't miss a Best Picture showdown on Chariots of Fire on Oscar Sunday and our two-year anniversary special Top 20 Scary Movie Countdown on Wednesday's Filmgasm podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and keep watching movies.